Please, in Jesus' name, I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The First Commandment, Loving God. This is lesson number 12, and to my knowledge at this point, it is the final lesson in this part for this series that is a part of uh, multiple series that I'm doing on uh, the love of God. Uh, so this is series, uh, this is part number two. This is the last lesson of the series, The First Commandment, Loving God. This is lesson 12, and we've, been, we've talked about this before, I think, but this is uh, John's conclusion, and it's going to be uh, our conclusion. Uh, obeying God's commands is loving God. So I'm reading 1 John 5. So John kept talking about this, and so in this series, we're still talking about it. So John, 1 John 5, beginning with verse 1, and there's still a whole lot of good stuff in the rest of John, 1 John 5, but I'm going to stop here in this series, this part of the series. Uh, first commandment, uh, loving God. So 1 John 5, verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot, begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that, over, that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Then now from the Amplified, John, 1 John 5, 1 through 5, everyone who believes, adheres to, trusts, and relies on the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is born again, is a born again child of God. And everyone who believes the Father also loves the one who, the, the one born of him, his offspring. By this we come to know, recognize, and understand that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commands, orders, or his charges, when we keep his ordinances and are mindful of his precepts and his teaching. For the true love of God is this, that we do his commandments, keep his ordinance, and are mindful of his precepts and teaching. And these orders of his are not irksome, burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. For what, whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Who is it that is victorious over, that conquers the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact. Praise God. What good stuff there is here. Now I'm reading Weiss and, uh, before we begin to teach. First John chapter one, verses, uh, chapter five, verses one through five from Weiss, uh, expanded translation of the New Testament. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ out from God has been born and as a result is his child. And everyone who loves the one who begot loves the one who has been begotten out from him. In this we know experientially that we are habitually loving the born ones of God. Whenever God we are habitually loving and his commandments are habitually obeying. 
For this is the love of God, namely, that we are habitually and with solicitous care, guarding and observing his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, because everything that has been born of God is constantly coming off victorious over the world. And this is the victory that has come off victorious over the world, our faith. Who is he who is constantly coming off victorious over the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, again, there are some really awesome things. Uh, All of the Bible is awesome. That's period. (laughs) But there are some really awesome things in the remainder of 1 John 5. But it is not in the scope of this lesson to talk about them. So I'm ending this part of the series on the love of God. And this part of that series is the, this series is, uh, the first commandment, loving God. And here Paul is concluding, beginning the conclusion of his letter to the church in 1 John 5. And he is summarizing again the things he has said in the entire first epistle of John. He's summarizing them here. And chapter 5 is his summary, and I'm going to use the summary he used concerning the love of God. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Why? Why? Because I cannot be born again unless I believe that Christ was born and he was crucified, buried, rose again, and ascended into heaven. If I don't believe the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, uh, I cannot be saved. And so, therefore, if I believe the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, that Christ was born, that he was or is the Son of God, uh, the man Christ Jesus is the Son of God, He is Emmanuel, God with us, and the only way God could be with us at that time. And this one, this anointed one, the Logos made flesh, who was anointed to live the life in the flesh so that he could become the living sacrifice. And if I don't believe that, and that that one, that that manifestation of God, so that the only body God had, the only blood God had, was shed in on the cross for me, and he was buried, and then three days later he arose, and then 50 days later he ascended into heaven. If I don't believe that, I can't, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. There are people here in this world today that claim they're Christians, but if you put them on the spot, do you believe Christ rose from the dead? Uh, it's a good story, and I believe God told us that story to to help us to to uh, believe in Him, but not really. Well, if I can't believe that Christ was risen from the dead, how can I believe that I am going to be risen from the dead, or my loved ones are going to be raised from the dead, or I'm going to be quickened off this earth instead of dying at the moment of the, the catching away of the church? How can I believe I'm going to be raised from the dead? Or caught away in lieu of death. Or if I can't believe that Christ was raised from the dead. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Because if I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that God so loved the world. That he gave the only body he had to give. And the only blood he had to shed. Uh, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I can't be saved if I don't believe that. But if I believe it, I'm going to trust in it, rely upon it, cling to it. I'm going to obey the gospel. And the scriptures talk very clearly about them who obey the gospel. It's not enough to say you believe the gospel. If I believe the gospel, then I'm going to do those things that each part of the gospel does in my life by obedience. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So I can't love God without loving God manifest in the flesh. Because when I get to heaven, the only God I'm really going to see is God manifest in the glorified body of the man Christ Jesus, who is now the only visible representation of the infinite I am God for eternity. I can't love him if I don't love God. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. As one of these translations I read said, how can I love God if I don't love those that are born again of God? Really. If God has birthed someone the same way he birthed me in him, how can I not love that person? Now, loving someone doesn't mean that we're everybody's buddy or whatever. Uh, Jesus took only three of the apostles up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Did he love the other nine? Yes, he did. So there are people that I feel a connection with, that God is connected with me, and and I I spend I I, I, I invest time in them and and with them, and uh, they invest time with me. I can't do that with everybody. I can't. Uh, the hand knows the foot's down there. The hand is thankful for the foot. The foot knows the hand's there. The foot is thankful for the hand. But the hand and foot don't have a lot of interaction. They work together as a part of the body. But the hand and foot can't work together as part of the body unless the hand and foot love each other. And so there are, there are people that are in the kingdom of God. I love them. I love them. I, I may not have, I may not talk to them on the phone every day. I may not message them on social media, which I don't do with anybody. And if you message me on social media, that's the reason I don't, I haven't answered it because I only use social media as a pulpit. I am not into social media at all. It is only a tool for me to speak what God is giving me to say to those that want to read it and listen to it. But I, I don't use that. I text at 74. I text. I really do. And I, I uh, use email and I do voice messages and I do phone calls. Uh, but uh, I, I don't yet do emojis. I'm a word guy. So I don't use pictures, I use words, and uh, I don't fault those who use emojis, and my beloved wife uses emojis a lot, but I don't, I just have not got around to it. I'd rather say LOL than uh, get a picture of a smiley face. Uh, I just me, I'm just weird, okay? 
but the point I'm making to you is this. Uh, I don't resent somebody that sends me a string of emojis and there's not a word in there. If that's how they communicate, they're my brother, my sister, that's how I'm going to receive from them. That's how I'm going to receive from them. Now, the point being here that we're a part of the same body. We're part of the same body. And the scripture is very clear in saying, if I, if that I say I can't, I'm not a part of the body unless I'm an ear or the hand says I'm not a part unless I'm a foot. Or let's flip that around. If the eye says the ear is not a part of the body because it's not an eye, or the hand says the foot's not a part of the body because it's not a hand, that's not the word of God. That's not the will of God. God's created every one of us individually, very specifically. It's a proven scientific fact that every one of us is unique. Nobody has the same fingerprints. Nobody has this, no two people have the same DNA. Those that are related have similar DNA, but every one of us is unique in God. He made sure every one of us is unique. There's no duplicates in God. There's only one of me, one of you. There's only one of those lost people out there. Their soul Jesus died for. And that's what we're supposed to be doing in God is letting him love those through us. But I can't love the lost if, if I, and of course, and I forget who was said it. I think it's John said it. Uh, I can't love my brother, and I'll be covering that in the next series, the second commandment, loving others or God loving others through us. Uh, I can't say I love God if I can't love my brother. I can't say I love God that I haven't seen if I can't love my brother that I have seen because God is working in his life God's way. That's why Romans 14 says, for me not to judge another man's servant. Well, let me go a little farther. Don't judge another man's son. Don't judge God's other sons because they aren't where you are. Now, we're in Maryland. This is not the Bible Belt. We do things certain ways here to reach the people that are here. They may not work in uh, Louisiana to reach people, or Alabama, or Mississippi, or other places where there's the Bible Belt. This is the Northeast. This is not the Midwest. The Midwest starts at where the Ohio River is, dividing Pennsylvania from the state of Ohio. There's where the Midwest starts. Because to the original 13 colonies, Ohio was the West. And Kentucky and Tennessee. That was the West. It was the West. And so, uh, <clears throat> reaching people in the Midwest is different than reaching people here. Same God, same message. But there are four things that affect the effectiveness of reaching people. God, my message, me, and my methods. The problem is we've made all four of those eternal and unchangeable. There's only two of those that are eternal and unchangeable. God is eternal and unchangeable. My, the message is eternal and unchangeable. But me, I better be changing because I'm growing. If I'm growing, I'm changing. If I'm not changing, I'm not growing. And as I grow and change, 
God is going to change methods he uses, and he may change how he uses a method in me, or he may give me new methods. But tradition may say, keep this message and method and always do it this way. Well, that's tradition. That's not God. So as I'm loving God and loving others, God's not going to change in my life, and his message isn't going to change in my life, but my maturity in God is going to change, and therefore the way that God uses me is going to change, and then the methods he uses. I'm not doing things at 75 that I did at 24 when I first came to this town, or at 18 when I first became a witness after having been raised in the church and never really witnessing. I don't do things the same today. I don't do the same way. I, you know, I don't, I have much different understanding today. I have much more wisdom than I, today than I had then. I have more revelation than I had then. I have more faith. I have more confidence in God and His love than I had then. He used me where I was, but He doesn't want me to stay where I was. He wants to continue to work in me so He can use me where I will be. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do. And I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you, that as God works in me and works through me, I'm growing. As God works in you and works through you, you're supposed to be growing. That's what God wants. And one of the signs or evidences to save people that they are loving God, is they're loving their brother. And again, if I only love people that think exactly the way I do, I've got brothers that I, I love that don't believe in eschatology, the last day events like I do. I love them. We uh, usually just agree to disagree and not discuss them. We do. I've, I've got men that I am, have been charged with being their bishop. They, they said God told them I was supposed to be their bishop. Well, one in particular, he has very strong feelings about, uh, the coming of the Lord or the rapture being at the end of the seven years of wrath. Well, we've talked. He doesn't see, see it like I do. I sure am not accepting his path because I've studied too and I, God has shown me and I believe this. But I love him and I'm not judging him and I'm not sending him to hell because he doesn't dot my eyes and cross my T's. I have men that I love very much that wouldn't be considered quite as strict in separation as I am. I have men that I love very much that would consider me not as strict in separation as them. But the question is, they're obeying their master as God's leading them to, and both of them are. That's my prayer and hope. And I am obeying my master in the way that he wants me to. And as God leads me to do that, if he wants me to change, I'll change right now. All he's got to do is show it to me in a book and speak to me. I'm going to change. I'm going to change what I think. I made that commitment to God. Uh, about the 18th, 19th of February, 1965, in my dorm room at the Naval Academy, kneeling down at the bunk bed 
with nobody, none of my classmates or my roommates in the room. I put my Bible on that bed and I laid down, put my hands on that Bible and I said, God, I'm making this commitment to you. I'm going to study this word and you're no respecter of persons and you promise to treat me equally like everybody else. That means you're going to teach me the word for myself. And I make this commitment to you. I will never go to the Bible to find scriptures to support what I think. But I was all, will always go to the Word to let the Word of God teach me what to think. And at any time you show me more light, I'm going to keep walking in that light. And that, and even if that means that what was once light for me is now darkness, I'm moving on. Now, again, God doesn't change and the message doesn't change, but my understanding of these things, uh, of God changes. My understanding of the message changes. Not in the certainty of what the message is, but in how to present the message and understanding the depths of the whys of the message and also how to communicate the message. All that changes, and I want to change. But also in my personal relationship with God, there are things that uh, he permitted me to do, didn't make an issue in my life when I was younger in the Lord, that he's made an issue in my life now. There were things that he was very strict on me in back then, but I don't feel the same strictures now. Now I might, I might still be basically living by that, but my motive for doing those things is different than it was in my early walk with God because I am growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what the love of God does in me. But then I have this gauge. That says, uh, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Well, both Jesus and John, in the Gospel of John, quoting Jesus, and in 1 John, uh, I believe maybe in 2 and 3 John, there is, John said, this is a commandment. That we, that we love one another. This is a commandment. So if I love God, I love God by keeping a commandment. and His commandments. And one of his commandments is that I love my brethren. That I love my brothers individually and I love my brethren. I love the brotherhood. The brotherhood is the body of Christ. Now there's different organizations that represent parts of the body of Christ. But the brotherhood is everybody that's been born again of water and the spirit, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost that believes in the same God I do. That's the brotherhood. And we may not see eye to eye on some other things. And I'm leaving that in the hands of God. But I'm not their judge. I'm their brother. And I'm going to love them. You say, are you saying that what they're doing is okay? I'm not saying anything. I'm not the judge. I believe what I believe. I live by what I believe. And I'm responsible for living by what I see in the Word of God. I'm not responsible for telling my brother he's going to hell if he doesn't dot my, the I's I've dotted and cross the T's I've crossed. And I'm going to tell you something right now. God has allowed these differences, according to Romans 14, to test our motive and our spirit. Am I only going to love those that say exactly what I say the way exactly the way I say it? Well, I know. 
How can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, God doesn't ask me to walk daily with all of my brothers in this world. I got brothers and sisters I'm never going to meet till I get to heaven. So I walk with those brothers that we agree with. But I love all of my brothers. I love them all. There's not one of my brothers that I, I want to see go to hell. I want to see them all be saved. I want to see them all used. I pray for them all to be used every day. I pray for the body of Christ and those that are in part of the body of Christ to be to be uh, used by God, to love God and be used of God. Every day I pray that in some form or other. As the Spirit of God leads me to pray it, I pray it every day. Now, He may use them in ways he, He's never going to use me. He may use me in ways He's never going to use them. But we're not supposed to contend one with another for us being exactly the same and for our methods being exactly the same. Not if we love God. That's the test. That is the test of whether or not we love God. Because they're not my sons. They're his sons. They're my brothers. They're not my sons. They're his sons. They're my brothers. The relationship between him as the father and them as sons is one thing. The relationship between them and me is Brotherhood, sonship, brotherhood. And I will tell you this, both from personal experience, because I have a brother, and from being a father raising two sons, and being pastors of families with multiple sons, and I'm using males right now only as an example, the relationship between my brother and I, between my me and my father and my brother's relationship with my father it was not the same. It wasn't that my dad didn't treat us equally. He loved us like we were and he was a dad to us like we are. And the stuff he talked to me about is not the same stuff he talked to my brother about. And I've got two sons. And those two sons are not remotely close to, to the same person and personalities. They're very different. God made them different. Not, there's not one of them right and the other wrong. They're both right. <laughs> R-I-G-H-T. They're both W-R-I-G-H-T. But my relationship with each one of them is different. It's not that one the relationship with one of them is bad and the other one's good. It's different. And I've watched them with their children. Their relationship with each one of their children is unique to those children. And God's relationship with his sons is the way he chooses for it to be. But our relationship with brothers is not to compete, not to be jealous, not to be critical, but to love one another and pray for one another in obedience to the command of God. And if I'm obeying God's commandments, I love God. That's the evidence I'm loving God because the only way I can obey his commandments is to let his love in me by means of the spirit empower me to do what I cannot do myself. That's called grace. And if I'm loving God, that's proof. The love of God is in me and working through me. But a second proof of that is loving my brother. 
So there's two proofs in the entire next series, not next series, which is part three of the subject of the love of God is talking about that second evidence, that second commandment, loving others, letting God love others through me as I have received that love. Freely I have received, freely give. I can't freely receive God's love and charge my brother for it. I'm not charging anybody anything. Oh, yeah. When you demand that that brother be exactly like you, think exactly like you, have the same exact priorities you do, have the same personality you do, do things exactly like you do, you're, you're, you got a price on you loving him. The price is you conform to me and what I think and how I think she thinks should be. And I will love you. And if you don't, I don't. Oh, I'll say I love you, but my actions will prove that I don't. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We uh, Pentecostals slash apostolics have dismissed a lot of things in our in my lifetime. One of those things we've dismissed is the love of God because... There are groups that preach that all we need is the love of God. We don't need doctrine. Well, that is asinine. I'm not trying to be unkind here. But the only way you can make a statement is all we need is the love of God. We don't need doctrine because doctrine divides. Then they don't read the word. And if I don't love the word, I don't love God. And I don't have any love to love anybody else with. And that's when the false love comes in where I'm okay, you're okay. God loves you just like you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. God, he loves you. That's where all that false doctrine comes in because they don't read the book. Or if they read the book, they read it with blinders on because they don't see what it actually says. It says it. A a, a, a first grader that's begun to sound out the letters can read it. And see exactly what it says. Because it's pretty plain. If I'm reading it with eyes that are open and not blind. And listening to what he's saying when I'm reading it. With ears that are open and not stopped. And with a heart that's not hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. But that I've repented. And I now have a new heart that's given to me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, repentance, water, baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that new heart is sensitive to God and responsive to God so that it can perceive, receive, and believe in Jesus' name. I pray that this this, uh, part two of the Subject, the love of God, this series of lessons, these 12 lessons have helped you to understand and given you a a desire to study the word and to talk to God and let the love of God truly take root in your life. Paul said in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, I believe it's verse 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there, he prayed that, that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of God, rooted and grounded, that we would have our, we would be anchored deep in the love of God and that the foundation of our life would be built on the love of God. That's, that was his prayer for us. And it's my prayer for you and I. 
and all who would hear this lesson. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to watch these lessons. And I commit them to you and you and the lessons to God for him to do in and through your life what he would choose to do. Be watching for the part three, the next series of lessons, the part three of the subject, the love of God. Part three is the second commandment, God loving others through us. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.